0: And so that duck literally thought that the dog was its mother. Even though it sounded like a duck, acted like a duck, it followed the dog around and thought it was a dog. Crazy, I know. But you know what? There are a lot of crazy things in our world today that people are believing, and they haven't really given it a second thought why they believe it. And so this morning I want to speak to you, or the title of my message is called, The Winds of Fake not faith, but fake. Let me give you some strange doctrines that are out in our world today that, to us, sound quite crazy, but they literally do this. For instance, in western India, they will take their firstborn child, they will go up to a tower 50 feet tall, and they will drop that child off the tower into a blanket that people are holding for the mere fact that it will assure them of the family's good health and prosperity. Crazy. Crazy. Oh, here's a good one. There's another group that believe that waving a chicken over your head will take away your sins. I've waved the chicken over my head a couple of times, and it wasn't to take away my sins, it was to kill it. Now, this one, is I, I researched with to make sure this is true. Do you, do you know there is a church out today called the Macedonian Church? And it is actually acquainted to, or after... Argentine Diego Mardonia, who was a famous soccer player, believe it or not, he has a church and they worship him and they follow him and they actually are encouraged to name their children Diego after him for blessings and benefit. He has over 80,000 followers in 60 countries. Could you imagine showing up the church this morning and worshiping a soccer ball? I know some of you probably worship a soccer ball because you always have it on your hands and kicking and playing with it. But this is a little different. I saved the best for last. You'll like this one. There is a group out that believes there is this thing called sacred underwear. And this underwear gives you spiritual cleansing and also will protect you from fire and bullets. When I announced that this week to the staff, Henry said, get me a pair. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. You know, if we're not careful, we we laugh at these, but believe it or not, we may have some strange things we believe today that are so unbiblical it's not even funny. We have some beliefs that we follow that are so far from the truth, but because somebody has given us that belief, we followed it and it may ultimately cost you. Could you imagine standing before God on Judgment Day and saying, I wore my underwear, what's the problem? I waved the chicken over my head, what's the problem? I worshiped the soccer ball, what's the problem? Because they are so far from the truth. Here's what the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, And the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, right then and there, we see that God has given you, God has given me leaders in church to build us up, to equip us, to help us. That's the whole point. He's given his people to do the work and build up the body of Christ. When Jesus designed the church... And he designed the leaders of the church, he designed that to build you and I up. We need to be built up spiritually. We need to be called down on the carpet every now and then when we're wrong. The purpose of that is not what I'm going to tell you, Is what God's word is going to tell you in verse 13 and following. Why does God give us a church? Why does God give us pastors and teachers and apostles and evangelists? Here's why. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. And knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Notice the, the purpose of my job as one of your pastors is I need to equip you in the unity of your faith so that you will be knowledgeable about the word and that you will become a mature Christian. Verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. And that's really what we're going to kind of focus in this morning is because we are chasing a lot of things in today's time that really are going to ultimately kill us physically and spiritually because we are not connected to the church. We're not plugged into the teachings of the Bible. And because we're not connected and plugged in, therefore, we're going to believe whatever we need to believe and it's going to wind up killing us. He says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with the lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead... We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. What an interesting section right there in the middle of Ephesians, but you have to understand why the Apostle Paul was writing this. The Apostle Paul was dealing with primarily a Gentile group of people. Here's what the Gentiles were informed by the Jews. They said, listen, in order for you to be saved... In order for you to go to heaven, you have to be circumcised. Ladies, that's when you say, thank God I'm a woman. <laughs> Could you imagine men being a grown man and saying, oh, by the way, the only way you're going to go to heaven is you've got to be circumcised. That was the big push of their day. That would take a great sacrifice, would it not? But that's what they truly believed. The Jewish nation was imparting that into the lives of these Gentiles when they just heard that the truth about salvation was you are saved by grace through faith. But yet the Jews were trying to instill their customs into this Gentile nation to say, no, no, the only way you're going to be saved is through circumcision. When all reality, the only thing circumcision does is benefit your health physically, not spiritually. But they were trying to instill that. Now, that sounds crazy. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine having to stand before the Lord and say, Well, God, I thought one of the the ways of heaven was circumcision. No. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. The only way to heaven is through our faith in Jesus Christ. But because this group was young, because they weren't so knowledgeable about God's word and and the scriptures, they allowed the Jews to come in and give them influence that was so not biblical, so not true. And if you and I are not careful today, we do the exact same thing. We'll hear something on the radio. We'll watch something on TV. We'll read something on the computer. And we say, man, that sounds good. I'm going to believe that. And then we start believing it, not knowing what it's going to cost us. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you four kind of key truths or four key questions this morning to ask yourself. When we are dealing with things that come into our life, you got to make sure that what I believe is the truth of God's Word and what I believe is from the word of God, not just because some fancy preacher made it up. You realize I can make anything truthful from the Bible. As you heard a few weeks ago, the Bible says that Judas went out and hung himself. That's in the Scripture. Go thou go down and do likewise. That's in Scripture. It's there. So we have to be careful of what we read to make sure it's the truth. So here's how we determine it's the truth. Number one, we got to make sure that it is biblically true and consistent biblically true and consistent in other words just because you read it one verse out of the bible doesn't mean it could be true you got to make sure it lines up with the rest of the scripture in fact if you don't remember anything else today remember this that all scripture is independent it will stand by itself but all scripture is interdependent on the other all the other scriptures you understand what i'm saying for instance the bible says that david loved jonathan like no other it says he loved him as his own soul and that's where the homosexual community says, see, there we go. David was a homosexual. There it is, right there. We pull that scripture right out. That scripture can stand alone, but it's got to be consistent with all the other passages of scripture in the Bible. Such as in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, it tells us that homosexuality is an abomination. First Corinthians chapter 6 tells us that if you are a homosexual and practicing homosexuality, you will not inherit the kingdom of God or you won't go to heaven. So we just can't pull a passage of Scripture out and then go with it. It can stand on its own. We know that David loved Jonathan like no other because David was willing to give his life for Jonathan and Jonathan was willing to give his life for David. But when you read something and you see it on TV or you hear it on the Internet, you better make sure it's not only biblically true, but it is consistent with every other verse in the Bible. The second thing is you've got to make sure it brings unity and not division. What I believe, is it bringing unity to my life and my family and the church, or is it bringing division? So often we get on these strange tangents of believing something, and rather than, rather than bringing unity in your family and the church family, it actually tears you apart. That's why so many people come and go in the church today, because they, they hear something, they believe it, and I say, well, it's not quite like I think it should be at the church, so we leave. Number three, does it develop or does it diminish your faith? What I am believing, is it helping me grow in the Lord? Is it making me want to love the Lord more? Or is it making me want to love the Lord less and not go to church? What you believe, is it helping you to to have a a desire to come to church, a desire to love Jesus, or is it actually just the opposite? The last one, does does it make you faithful or does it make you flighty? You know these flighty people, right? You ever get in these conversations with people and you can be talking about one thing and the mere mention of a word and they jump ship on you and they're off in another world? You ever, you ever had a conversation like that with somebody? You, you have to kind of keep them on track. You know, it's like squirrel and they just, kind of, they just kind of veer. You know, they just kind of venture off. You know what? We're a lot like that with, with our faith sometimes. We, Lord, we want to love you. And all of a sudden we start going after the Lord and something comes up over here and we just bail out on God and we go this way. And two weeks later, two months later, two years later, we're trying to figure out why we're way over here in the mess that we're in is because we started chasing something that was not truly biblical, that was not consistent. So whenever you and I are going to encounter something that we are discovering, we got to make sure it is biblically true and consistent throughout all of God's Word. Does it bring unity or division? Does it develop you or diminish you? And does it make you faithful or flighty? Let me just give you a few things that are in our world today. Some few flighty doctrines that are floating around that people are buying wholeheartedly and it will cost them eternally. The first one's called hyper grace. I don't know if you know much about the hyper grace movie. The basically, the hyper grace says, I can live the way I want to live and God will still forgive me. I can sin all I want to sin and God will forgive me. Because I read in the Bible that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me. That's what I read. And the real verse they pulled out is found actually in Romans chapter 5. and verse 20 it says this. It says, Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So as sin reigneth in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, O Lord. See, there it is. Wherever my sin abounded, grace does abound more. And so, believe it or not, this is in Paul's days. We're talking 2,000 years ago, and it's resurfacing today to say, listen, I can sin, and God's grace will abound. I can openly confess, I can openly confess my sins, and I'm okay. In other words, I can live the way I want to live, and I'll be okay. Come on, you've heard this. you probably even said this. Well, I'm living this way because God understands. He does understand. He understands that you're lost and you're dying and you're going to hell. And if you don't change your life and repent and place your faith in him, you're in big trouble. So let's go hyper grace people. If I sin, God will forgive me. Well, here's what's funny. Remember, the Bible, the verses of the Bible are, are, are independent, but they're interdependent. So what happens exactly one verse later? I mean, you just follow the end of chapter 5, go right into chapter 6, and that's where the hyper-grace movement stops. Here's what it says in chapter 6, verse 1. The very next verse. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What does he say? Certainly what? Not. Oh, we, we forgot that verse. See, the key is when you meet Christ, he should change your life and your sin life should keep getting less and less and less. If you believe that you can continue in sin and God understands, you don't understand what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach for you to openly and, and passionately sin over and over so that God's grace abounds. What this meant, Paul says, you could be the worst sinner of all times. You could be a pedophile, a murderer. You could be just the most, what we call, inhumane person of all. And you know what Paul says? Where your sin abounded, God's grace abounded that much more. But when God grabs a hold of your heart, he changes you. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says this If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. See, once again, scriptures have to be consistent with one another. Jesus says, You know, if you really love me, You'll keep my commandments. And the truth of the matter is, if you really love Jesus, it's not hard to keep his commandments. I mean, think about that. If you really love your wife, men, it's not hard to go home at night. If you don't love her, it's hard to go home. I never have a problem going home. I love my wife. She loves me too, just not as much as I love her, though. Just thought I'd put that in there. Here's one more for the uh, the hyper-grace movement, just in case you haven't learned yet. Hebrews 10.26 says this, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. The Bible says if you know it's wrong and you continue to say, Well, I can sin and it's okay then you haven't read all of your Bible because the scriptures clearly say right here, if you say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I know you forgive me my sins, but I'm going to keep on sinning because that's who I am. And the Bible says you keep on sinning and I will no longer pay for your sins. I will no longer sacrifice for your sins. Church, we are not excused from our sin. Jesus forgives us of our sins, and we live up under that. You hear people all the time say, well, I don't live up under the law anymore. I live up under grace. You've heard that, right? I, I don't live up under the law. I live up under grace. Do you understand that your grace means that you abide by the law? I don't live under the law. I live under grace. Very, mu- very little has changed from Genesis to Revelation in this book. In fact, in Deuteronomy, it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that incredible? Jesus says the exact same thing in Matthew. It doesn't change. In the Old Testament, a blood sacrifice was offered for the forgiveness of their sins. In the New Testament, Jesus was our blood sacrifice. Very little has changed. But somehow, we have heard something on television. We've read something on the Internet. We say, "Woo! I'm no longer under the law. I can live the way I want to live. Try this out for just for fun why don't you just go blazing through Crawfordville this afternoon about 80 miles an hour in your car, okay? Well, remember, you're not under the law anymore, you're under grace. And when you get pulled over by, the, by one of our sheriff's deputies and they say, you've been speeding, we're going to arrest you and take you to jail, you say, oh, no, 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 I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. And they say, you can be under what you want, you're going to be under the jail now. <laughs> and then you stand before the judge and you say, hey, Your Honor, you can do whatever you want to do, I'm not under the law anymore, I'm under grace. And the judge is going to say, just the opposite. While you live in Crawfordville, Florida, you will pay the price for your sin, your speeding. Church, there's no different. We are saved by grace. And we live under the grace of God. But that does not excuse us from the laws of the land. Somebody has taught us a lie to say, hey, you can do what you want to do and God will forgive you. No. We need to love him. And allow him to change us so we'll continue to love him and live for him rather than loving our old life and living like the way we used to live. Hyper grace is gonna send a lot of people to an eternal hell because they have not read the truth of God's word. Well, here's another one it's called the home church. In other words, I got mad at my pastor, so we're gonna do church at home now. You know, I don't have to go to church to be saved. I can do it at my house. I can do it out on the golf course. I can do it in the woods. I don't have to be with you folks. I can meet with the Lord and have church wherever I want. You've heard that one, right? Once again, they gave you part of the truth. Not all the truth. Because you know what Hebrews 10.25 tells us? And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Wait a minute. The Bible tells us not to neglect. In other words, it it should be on your priority list number one. Lord, I'm planning on meeting with your children on Sunday morning. And we're going to have a good time. I'm planning on meeting with your people on Wednesday night. And I may meet with your people other days of the week because it's a life group. The Bible clearly teaches that you cannot stay at home with your, by yourself, with your little family, and have church. Maybe you can do it one Sunday. But if you're going to make a life out of that, then you're disobeying the Word of God. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2 when the first church was started. The Bible says, all the believers, not just the family. Notice it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper into prayer. Notice that it said all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they showed up all the time and worshiped together and was taught the word of God. They just weren't at home by themselves. And in just a few minutes, we're going to take in the Lord's Supper. You know why? Because God wants us to take the Lord's Supper together. Oh, it's, an, it's incredible to do it by yourself, but the Bible was designed for us to do it together. Listen, in Genesis... Chapter 2, it says it's, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, we understand that God was getting ready to create Adam's helpmate, Eve, but mankind in general should never be by himself. Do you realize we get in more trouble by ourselves, Or do you get in trouble when you're by yourself? I'm told I need immediate supervision at all times, so I try to make sure that somebody's always around me so I can at least stay out of trouble. I just have to make sure I have the right people around me so they don't get me into trouble. It is not good for us to be alone there are 52 passages of scripture in the new testament alone that deal with one another how we should love one another how we should encourage one another how we should actually rebuke and help one another 52 times so let me ask you a question if 52 times in the new testament alone the bible refers to us loving and helping and encouraging one another Do you think then it's important for us to be plugged into a church family? Exactly. If you are not plugged into a church family, you are not going to be able to develop your faith. In fact, you will probably not grow in your faith. If if anything else, you'll diminish in your faith. But so many people, you know, have had a bad experience in church. Anybody ever had a bad experience in church? If you haven't, you're lucky. We've all probably had a bad experience in church. And I'm always amazed at people that say, okay, I've had a bad experience in church. I'm quitting. I'm never going back again. That is like the most insane comment I've ever made. You got upset at church and you're never going back to church? That would be like getting food poisoning. And I remember some years ago, I went to watch my brother-in-law graduate college and we ate at a restaurant and I came home from the restaurant And it wasn't within the hour I had food poisoning. Oh, I wish somebody would have killed me that day. Man, I mean, I was burning. I was aching. I was hurting. I was thinking, Lord Jesus, please come. Please come now. Lord, I cannot make this. I mean, if you've ever had food poisoning, you understand what I'm saying, right? And it like to killed me. But as you can tell, I didn't quit eating. (laughs) Listen, we've all had a bad experience at church one time or another. But that doesn't mean you should quit going to church. What it means is you should get plugged into the church that can feed you, that can love you, that can help you, that can enable you and provide for you. And as honest as I know how, this is the church for you. This is the church that will love you, that will help you, that will feed you, that will provide for you. And if you are not connected to a church family, this is where you need to be. Let me give you one more real quick. There is actually a doctrine out today by some renowned preachers, theologians, that say miracles are not for our day. No more miracles are taking place. They're not happening today. And they have gone on this big speaking circuit to announce and proclaim that miracles are not for our day and they're not working today. Okay? I don't understand that. Because I'm watching miracles. I've seen miracles. Probably... Other than a soul coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior, being the greatest miracle of all time. I remember when I left here, I went to Mississippi to pastor a church. And we had a lady in our church that had like the skin cancer on her hand. Been there for years. Went to see every doctor she could. And it would not go away. And I can still remember this like it was yesterday. Um, I was in the lobby where my office was getting ready to go in the sanctuary. And my three-year-old, Jalen, was with me. She was three at that time. And Jalen just simply said, can I pray for you? And Jalen literally over grabs her and prays healing over her. And the next day, it was gone. The very next day. Miracle. But see, these guys don't believe that. Well, they just limited God. That's all they've done. Because God is still in the miracle business today. He is still saving people. He is still healing people. He is still providing for people. He still changes people's lives. But some crazy reason, somebody has got in their brain that that is not happening today. You can believe all you want to believe. But if your belief doesn't line up with this book, you're in trouble. Maybe you have limited God's power in your life because you have believed a lie. You have believed a false, like, well, I know God changed their life. He can't change my life. Well, you're right, He won't change your life if that's what you believe. Well, I know that the church is an exciting place to worship and I should be plugged in, but it didn't happen to me once, so it probably won't happen to again. Probably won't happen. Because your belief has already told you, your mindset has already told you, I am going to fail and God cannot help me. When your mindset should change and say, I need help and there is a Lord who loves me, And I am going to get plugged in and connected with him so he can help me and change me so that I can walk in victory and I can make a difference in somebody else's life. Guys, I'm sure there are a lot of other ones we could share this morning, but you know what they are. And you better make sure the beliefs that you're holding on to and believing in are not only biblically true, but they're biblically consistent. you got to make sure that they are helping you grow in the faith And growing you to the Lord, not pushing you away from the Lord. And you got to make sure that they're causing you to be stable in your life and not flighty and and whimsical everywhere else. There's a story told about a a captain of a ship. His name was Julius. And Julius had to sail some prisoners across sea. So he and 275 people boarded the ship. And they started making their trip to Italy. And on their way, some storms came. And so, what they did, they docked in a city called Sidon. And and so, when they got to Sidon, um, they regrouped, sailed again, counted some stores, and then they stopped, docked at this place called Fair Havens. Well, Fair Havens was not the best place to dock; it wasn't the best place to be, you know. It. it It wasn't good for the wintertime. The docks were exposed to the winds in the winter. There wasn't a lot of of basically city there to do things. And so they just didn't want to stay there during the wintertime. They would rather move on rather than docking here in Fair Havens. Well, one of their prisoners was a Christian man. And he said, the Lord told me that we don't need to sail. We need to stay put. If not, we're going to be in trouble. Well, they get up the next day and they notice there's a neat little breeze blowing. And the men said, listen, we don't want to stay here. We want to move on. Let's go to Phoenix. You know, Phoenix is the place where it's at. Man, we're going to sail to Phoenix. The the city's going to be great. We're going to have a good time for the winter. The wind's just right. Let's go. Although they were warned not to go, they left. They pulled out the very first day. It was going great. The next day, they encountered a terrible storm. And it is told that they were out there for two weeks in the storm. The storm became so bad they were throwing, away, throwing overboard their luggage, all of their gear, trying to keep this ship afloat. And finally, after two weeks of not eating in the storm, this Christian man said, Guys, it'll be okay. We're not going to die. Well, sure enough, they found land. Their boat ran aground. It sunk. They swam to shore and made it alive. But if they had listened to him to start with, they would never have encountered all of this in their life. Some of us today are kind of tired where we're at and we think, I want to do something different. And so this little wind blows up in your way and you think, "Woo! I like that. That'll be good. Well, I know it's not quite what the Bible tells me to do, but that doesn't matter. It'll benefit me. And all of a sudden, you set your sails to this little wind. You leave church. You start chasing things you shouldn't chase. You start doing things you shouldn't do. And all of a sudden, your heart is broken. Your life is in a mess. And it's in utter ruins. Shipwrecked. Because the storms of life have crushed you and crashed you. Because rather than listening to God's word and God's people, you allow the little winds to pick your sails and go. Maybe it's time we get out of our shipwrecked life and come home to a church family that will love you and help you and support you, and encourage you. Maybe it's time you get right out of your shipwrecked life and come home to Jesus Christ, who wants to save you and change your life. Are you tired of chasing these little winds and being flighty? Isn't it time you become stable? And the way you become stable is coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior and join in a church family that will grow you in the faith. Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.